It's been so long. I know. I know. It's been like a whole it's been like, ages. Like, yeah. Have, I haven't spoken to you in ages. I know. We're going to talk about some of my own mistakes first. <laughs> Yay. Actually, actually, before you even get to this first point, talking about a mistake, this this is a mistake I made. Um, when when I'm so I was doing the course, building a and becoming an internet academic is the course that I'm building, and I was going through my Zotero videos, right? And I needed to start an account from the beginning, but to sync an account changes your local files in Zotero storage. So I needed to obviously look at the backups. So instead of for, for some absurd reason, instead of removing my Zotero storage that was going to be replaced when I synced the account, I removed the backup instead by accident. I did not know this at this point. So I, so I carried on with the video. I then synced the account up. So my account of like 2000 um, items was scrapped with this blank account for the dummy version. <laughs> and when I went to look at the backups, I realized, oh, oops, I deleted them. <laughs> Now, there was cloud storage saved from uh, Zotero, luckily. So I managed to get like 1,200 back, but I was still missing the last two and a half, almost three months worth of item connections. So I was scouring all over the place for backups of backups of backups because I deleted two of the backups because I deleted one of them. And I was like, oh, I think this one's also going Can to... You, uh, like could, did, did you actually properly delete them or just put them in the recycling bin? No, no, I, I, I deleted them. Why? <laughs> I don't know. What's what? what? I, okay, I was having a really bad day, and I was just like, I'm just gonna get rid of it. I was just in like a really like, I'm just gonna like destroy this thing. Get get it out of the way. I was just frustrated, and so I was just like deleting. So do you want to go recycle bin? No, I do not. I was not thinking rationally. Um, no. Yeah. So yeah, that really stupid, really stupid mistake. Um, but luckily, about. About two hours after I'd like calmed down, I realized that I have a .bib export inside of my Obsidian, which updates through this uh, citations plugin that has all of the information. Oh, thank fuck for that. So wow. I then imported the bib file, which took like two and a half hours because I had to import my entire Zotero library, not just the ones I was missing because I'm not reading through a bib file. The, it's like a whole page of writing just for one item because it's got every piece of information about it. Um, yeah, so I, I imported that and then I spent the next like 20, 25 minutes just duplicating because I had the, the cloud storage stuff. So I was like, that's duplicate, merge, 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 merge. I must have merged like a thousand items. <laughs> I was listening to music whilst merging it. Um, but yeah, so... Um, we, we make mistakes. Even those of us that uh, like live inside of our systems make stupid mistakes when, we make, when we're making videos for people. <laughs> and are in a bad mood. Yeah, I was, I was in a really, really bad mood. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, um, and something else I realized while I was doing my Zotero stuff is I, I'm realizing this as I'm building out the course. There are things that I know, you, there are affordances to use ecological dynamics because I know we're going to talk about it later. There are affordances in the environment that I am not attuned to. So there are things that the apps and tools allow me to do that I don't really use because I don't fully grasp what it means in my particular um, situation. Obsidian, I found so many hotkeys and shortcuts and things that I knew were there, but I didn't really know how to use them. A good example is to bring up the same page again vertically is a hotkey. Like you can use a hotkey to just open the same page up again to the side or below 
instead of having to click on you uh, yeah you didn't know that either okay i knew you could do that i knew it was a hotkey i've gone past it so many times but i didn't realize oh yeah instead of middle clicking on the page link at the top of my page because of the template i can just use a hotkey so i've now changed my template and use a hotkey instead i was like duh <laughs> wow yeah i've had lots of those like duh moments when going through obsidian i think um, i had i had one of those duh moments like on our was it after the session or was it during the like you were talking about using templates like temporary blocks and i'm like well duh (laughs) (laughs) why why did i not think about that (laughs) that right there is a moment of like oh fuck that is metastable attenuation you recognizing the affordance for the environment and then you attuning your awareness to the affordance, which is expertise. So your expertise in using Obsidian has increased because your metastable attenuation of the affordance in the environment has been increased. So many sexy words. <laughs> I sound like a true academic there, don't I? Now I'm going to fumble <laughs> over some really obvious words like and, but, and it. <laughs> I, I have that problem too. Like, so I'm writing, I'm writing out sentences. I'm typing all of these big fancy words and then I spelt the, T-E-H. <laughs> I, I have a text expander shortcut that automatically changes that for me. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, and another one of these occurrences happened with Zotero, which is what I wanted to talk about today, which is RSS feeds and subscriptions. Now, RSS feeds, for those unfamiliar, because I was unfamiliar for a while, I like I knew of them, but I didn't really know what it was. Like, what? Um, I knew blogs had RSS feeds, and I knew journals, as i.e. academic journals, had RSS feeds, but I didn't really know what it was. And basically, it's a link that gives you an update when there's something new. Basically, is. It's, it's, it's just a, a sub- it's like a subscription button, but it's a, a link instead. <laughs> did you know your YouTube actually, ha- actually has an RSS feed? I did know that. And this is something I'm actually going to explore later today. Um, because inside of Zotero, which I knew you could do, I just, again, didn't attenuate my affordance. You can have Ooh. the feed inside of Zotero. So at the moment, I have about 30-something journals sending me email reminders of when there are new articles. And it's a pain in the bum because I go into my emails. I'm like, oh, I've got 17 emails. Let's have a look. Uh, boring article, boring article, boring article. I'm having to go back at, like in and out of all of these emails each time and then I have to delete all the emails. I could just do that inside of Zotero natively. And I don't... <clears throat> and the thing is... So uh, the thing is, I was that, sorry, this- sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm going to interrupt. That that, that noise. <laughs> there is so much in that. I know. <laughs> it's, it's like a whole month of frustrations right there, <laughs> just in that one noise. But the, the thing is, when when it goes into Zotero, you can choose how long it stays there for. So if you've read it, it stays for a certain amount of time. If you haven't read it, it stays there for a certain amount of time. You can choose how long it stays there for. You can choose the update frequency, whether it's an hour, 24 hours. And then you can also, when you just click on it, you can push a button that says add to library and it just adds it straight to your Zotero library. You don't have to open it up in the browser, then use the Zotero clipper and then wait for it to clip. 
and then hope for, hope for Sci-Hub or whatever to bring the PDF in. No, you just push add to library from the feed. I'm like... Does that actually, just to clarify, does that actually bring the... PDF in, yeah, because it looks the at the DOI. PDF. It looks at the DOI from the article, which is taken from the feed, the RSS feed, and it tries to find the PDF. Obviously, it's not going to look through Sci-Hub unless you have the Sci-Hub plugin into Zotero. But that doesn't really matter because you're going to grab the DOI link. So even if it doesn't grab it from Sci-Hub, you've got the link for you to go to Sci-Hub to grab it anyway. Yeah. So any open access article just gets straight from one button. I'm like, duh, stupid. And because I'm using Zotero for everything now, like all of my web articles, web pages, all of my videos on YouTube, everything is being clipped to Zotero because of the citation plugin and the workflow I have, if you're interested in exploring it, I've done a video that covers part of it and the um, it becoming internet academics will go through everything like step-by-step step, how to do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but because I'm, I'm using Sotero for everything, like you were saying, I can then link my RSS feed from YouTube channels that I subscribe to, to the feeds. And each feed is, it's kind of like its own folder collection. So you can go to the Danny Hatcher YouTube channel feed and it will show you the most recent videos, which means, which means you don't have to rely on YouTube's subscription button to notify you because it sucks. Sorry. Okay. YouTube, the YouTube subscription button sucks. If you subscribe to a channel, it can unsubscribe you because it thinks you're a bot or it doesn't push notifications because you haven't watched their last video because it didn't push the video for to you to start with. And, and then if you don't put the bell on, then you don't get the notification. I, my whole system around making sure I keep hold of YouTube videos relies on the subscription tab. But the subscription tab, because they've updated it, doesn't show you all of the videos. I know, I know, I know. I, know. Ah! I see a video from like Veritasium. I'm like, oh, he hasn't posted in a while. I have a look. And then the video two weeks ago wasn't pushed to me in any way, not on the browse, not on the home, not in my subscription. And I've got the bell on for the frigging channel. I'm like, I want to smash a wall. And I've tried to use RSS feeds like Feedly and stuff, but I just don't go there. I just, mm. I just don't go there. But now I can put it into Z Zotero, hopefully, fingers crossed. I, I would imagine I can because it's just a normal feed. But yeah, sorry, I had to like, spout that out that is kind of exciting and may make me look at I've, I've been a little bit resistant to zotero a lot of people are but i'm like that's basically a readwise or a readly or like those apps that it's basically that yeah Th that's what i use it as super fascinated to see what these I I don't use Readwise because I don't need it. And when it comes to like highlighting articles or something, like for example, the, the um, collector's fallacy from the previous episode, there were two web articles. Now, what you can do is if you push control P and go to print the article and then just go save as PDF, you can then move it to Zotero and now you can highlight the article and then you can export the highlights because it's just a PDF highlight just like any other pdf article and then export it straight to zotero which again i have plugins for so i don't even need to do that i just go Control shift l and then type in the name of the article so um uh, collector's fallacy and then inside the page because again another plugin i just go um wow i don't even know where my fingers go where do they go uh, control Control shift at <laughs> uh, and then it automatically brings in the annotated notes so i don't have to do like the manual Export, export, move file, copy, change. Yeah, it's all automatic through hotkeys. So I've got two hotkeys that 
brings in it creates and then doesn't the that pull that into um obsidian as well no, or is that in obsidian so those hotkeys are in obsidian yeah so what it basically my workflow is i find an article i go control p to go to the print menu or you can go to the top right three dots go down to print yeah um, yeah control p <clears throat> Um, and because I've done it previously, it saves the most recent thing you've done. So it's going to save as PDF. I just go save. I save it to my downloads folder. I then drag it over to the Zotero clipped item because I would have clipped it into Zotero, drop it in, read through it through like on Zotero, highlight points that I want, and it, excuse me, adds an annotated note, which is done in Zotero natively now anyway through Zotero 6. Go to my Obsidian. And because it's in Zotero, on my daily note, I push Control-Shift-L to add the thing in, which creates the note for me. It adds my template, so that's so the hang link. on, Control-Shift-L does what? It's the citation plugin. Okay. So that adds a note called whatever the, the item is, so um, collector's fallacy. The citation plugin will add a note automatically in my source folder, because that's where I've set it up to go. Mm -hmm. That note will include template information, which I've chosen to pick the author. So any author, the information that's there, the link. So it automatically have the link in there. It will automatically put the title in there as well. This is all via the plugin. So that's all in one shortcut hotkey. Then when I go into that note, once the template has been created, I then push the second hotkey, which automatically goes to Zotero, finds the site key information for the specific note I'm in, and then brings in the annotated note because I'm using the site key to create it through the citation plugin. And then the annotated notes have got, gone in. So basically my whole workflow is control P, click, click, control L, uh, control shift at, and then just delete annotation heading. And then I have all of the highlighted notes from the web article inside of my Obsidian page referenced, sourced. And all I need to do is just make a link to something, which I can do later on. You, you okay, John? You, you, you. Yeah, yeah, my brain's just gone, oh, shit. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about in my, um, in my course. Because it's so easy. It's just shortcuts. Um, but yeah, um, so that's... And obviously, with the RSS feeds and the subscriptions all going into Zotero, my Zotero is my resource library. I don't need a... A readwise, a, a feed, a, a raindrop, a whatever insert app, because there's thousands of them. I just use Zotero. And just for clarification, Zotero is free. Um, you don't have to pay for it. The only thing you have to pay for is added storage online, which is more than 300, 300 megabytes. But if you don't use the cloud storage, which I don't, then just refresh your cloud storage and use local storage, which is what I do. And if you use a plugin in Zotero called Zotfile, you then have a backup. And that's what I stupidly deleted. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't remember that if that was last episode or this episode, but yeah. Um, it was this so episode. Yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, you can have that's a backup. Yeah, because that's something that I, I want is an easier way. So at the moment I have Readwise and it looks like I need to go. I did, did do a little bit of reading while you were talking. I want to know how to bring in the stuff from my Kindle because a lot of what I read is on my Kindle. Um, so I'm like looking at ways of bringing that in. And I'm like, I wonder if you can bring it in. Can you automatically? Export, can you export Kindle highlights to a PDF? Uh, yes. 
then yes. All you'd need to do is export it to a PDF and then add it to Zotero if you've got Zotero on anything. <laughs> you may need to figure out some syncing like stuff. If you're using the cloud, it may need to like go back and forth with syncing devices. I personally don't use different devices. Um, or you could just send the PDF file over anywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a workflow that I personally don't have, but I'm sure a lot of people will have. And there's going to be tons of documentation on the Zotero um, wiki. Yeah, that's something I'm going to go look at later because that would be cool. Yeah, it's, it speeds up my, my workflow so much. Um, yeah. Now, moving into the next topic, which I think, John, you may be able to contribute to because I realized that was literally just me having a bit of a, a rant about RSS feeds and really nerdy PKM stuff. <laughs> that's super. I was, hey, 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 I was collaborating by going, oh, shit, that's really cool. Oh, shit, that's really cool. That is my collaboration. Thank you very much. I'm just like, oh, let me go do that now. <laughs> I, I could see he's tapping away. I'm like, he's he's probably downloading it now. <laughs> hey! Do, uh, does, okay, does Zotero work on mobile? It has a mobile app, yes. I don't use it on mobile. Okay. Yeah, it has a mobile app. I don't use it. It might not be that good. I don't know. Because I'm when I'm reading... I'm going to have to look at that. Sorry, my brain's just like gone. <laughs> okay. Present. Yeah, um, you go on. The all the sources and references that I use through that workflow, um, I use to build out articles slash slash notes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, slash genuinely, notes. like I fucking hate everyone else's notes. <laughs> oh, like nice. I, I am at the point, and it's not just me. You know, stroking your ego. It genuinely is so much more useful to want to know something and I can just go to your page and get all the references, all the information and learn stuff in a condensed format and then learn more and explore. It's basically a wiki and it's so useful. So... Thank you. Rather than um, stupid, tiny, freaking notes. We're going <laughs> to pretend that you don't have any of those anymore. I'm slowly getting rid of them. Like, yeah, they, yeah, they are like, slowly disappearing. And that is something that actually has changed in my own way of working, inspired by your stuff. Like, nah, fuck it. I'm not going to have 80,000 notes trying to describe little things and have atomic little sections. No, thank you. Like, you're like, block references as explaining concepts from another page. Like when we were in the last episode, we were talking about indirect work and I had block references to specific quotes. I had my summary of what was said and then block references to specific quotes that were links. And I'm like, this is so much easier than having like hundreds of tiny little shitty notes that don't really do anything and are not really useful. It's like, that was one of the things that stopped me from really diving into it. And now I can just open up a note. I know where I'm going all the time. It's like, oh, I'm talking about, you know, um, indirect work. So that's the book that I'm writing notes on and I'm getting my summaries and I'm like, okay, indirect note. I have two notes. One is the, one has got an icon, which is the Readwise export. And one is just the book. It's, it's just my notes on the book. And that has not got an icon. And I know where I'm going and I can summarize and create lovely little things and have sections that, 
really just makes sense. And if I ever decide to share my notes, which who knows whether I will, to be fair, it's mainly for me. But it's so useful to be able to just go straight into that one note and not have to go, oh, yeah, uh, commando, what am I looking for? What's this? Like, what is this information? What, what, what was it? What was it? I don't remember. And then I just give up. It's so much easier. So much easier. So there's there's me getting very, very much enjoying your notes and, you know. Yeah, the, the reason I wanted to bring this up was because I said something, I said something yesterday on Twitter and a lot of people seem to resonate with this. Um, a distilled note is a piece of content. Mm. And this is something that I've known. It's something that I've been doing for ages. Like a piece of content is just distilled ideas, whether mm. it's two ideas, just two ideas put into one, put into one thing, whatever the piece of content is, it's, it's a distilled note as a piece of content. And if you look at a piece of content like that, you then start to question, okay, what is the quality of the content well, actually, you're now asking, what's the quality of the distilled note? And if the distilled note is two ideas with no sources or references, the quality of content is actually quite low when it comes to like an evidence base behind what's being said. Mm. And what I try and do now when I'm consuming content from people, which we will get to a discussion in a minute, is I go, okay, what would this note look like? What sources would there be? What points would there be? What outline is there? And if there is just, the, these are the five points, these are the tips, tricks, hacks, these are the five points, and that's all the note would look like, is that a distilled note with high quality? I don't think so. I think that's just an atomic note with points. I, I wouldn't class that as a, as a high quality note. If I look at a video and go, oh, they've got four, they've quoted four people here. They've got a reference here. They've used information from this, that, and the other. Not necessarily said, but you can see in their screen that they've got video, uh, like clippings from a, a talk or whatever. You can see, okay, well, they've got obviously references for this section, references for this section. And actually there's an outline going through here with their story of, okay, this is why, why it means something. This is how it applies in this context. So I look in my head at the distilled note behind the piece of content to see if it's worth it. And that's something that I do that I've naturally done. And just saying that out loud, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. And there is, <clears throat> I want to just go after clarification to make sure that actually I'm hearing you correctly because are you saying a low quality note is a bad thing? No. Okay, cool. Just a, that, that, is, that is a misconception that's really easy to have. Yeah, a, a preconception. Yeah. Preconception, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no. A preconception, um, not necessarily a misconception, but yeah, a preconception could lead to a misconception if not clarified, so I'm glad you did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like the issue I have with a lot of content these days is it is very there's not enough to it Substance. and one of there is no there is no meat to play with now obviously there is a point to be made that actually for some people, that's not necessary. But I think there needs what I'm trying to do with my own work, what as as a business owner who produces content and not to the same degree as 
many others, but like I'm trying to make sure that there is some substance to what I say, not just hacks, tips and tricks. Meanwhile, presenting it as a hack, tip and trick. It's the I present it as a hack, tip and trick. But if you want to dive deeper and learn more, come and find this. Go look at this stuff. It's cool. And I think that your style of article writing, because it's an article, it is. it feels like an article of like really taking it apart. And what I noticed is when I started doing that, the first time I did it was with Gestalt, um, with, with Gestalt theory, I found myself going, oh, I am, it really does put the subject, which is the topic at hand, at the center of the note, rather than content at the center of the note. And I think that is really powerful. Like for me, I am using my notes with the subject here, not the content here. As a business owner, content is what I produce, but it's not the center. I want to understand and not understand. I want to learn about this subject. And to do that, it has to be the subject here. And I'm playing around the subject, not content about the subject because they are very separate and the way that you position your notes if you're going for content versus learning is different and i like what you and, and atomic notes i went that route first of having smaller notes which had summaries kind of similar to how you did and then when i saw you go no it's just one page now i'm like oh oh, let me try that. Because that's one thing that I struggled with. It was like when I was, um, when I had conversations with people, it was like, oh, what was the thing that I'm trying to say? Oh, there was this thing that I read from this thing from ages ago. So I had to find the atomic note, which had a short preview. And it was just a freaking pain in my ass and I couldn't be bothered. And so I didn't do it. And so my system didn't really work because it wasn't actually serving me. So in so my... I, yeah. yeah, in my in my daily vlog, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I had that exact experience and I was like, oh, there's that thing, but I can't remember what it is, but I knew it was related to cognitive load theory. So I went to cognitive load theory and I literally just scrolled down the page. It took like three scrolls and I was like, ah, it's that topic because it was a bold inside the, inside the, the block. I was like, oh yeah, it's to do with that thing. And then I just went down to the bottom. Oh, there is the Einstein effect. If it was an atomic note, it would be called the Einstein effect does X, Y, Z or whatever. I would never have found the thing. <laughs> no. I would have been, I've been typing in so many different, is it this? No, is it this? No, is it that? No. Looking through tons of backlink, trying to, nah, too, way too long. I get bored. But yeah, it was literally, a, I know it's related to that thing. Let's have a look, see if it's there. Oh yeah, it is. Okay, there it is. Found it. Good. Sorted. Yeah. And I think that's been, that has been one of the things that have changed genuinely changed how I think about my obsidian and it's like when you were talking about the Zotero plugin I was just like oh wow that's taking another thing off my list to have to think about because now I'm like oh so for example I've just highlighted a pdf to do with the the paper I was looking at, the affordances can invite behavior, reconsidering the relationship affordances, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Please do shorten titles. 
Um, they won't. Uh, they can't. Ac- academics, they can't. It's got to be like a whole sentence, at least. <laughs> Unless it's a book, in which case you've got like a thousand pages in the book anyway. So. <laughs> oh, don't. Don't. Don't go there. Fucking hell, no. Yeah, um, I was highlighting them, and now I'm going to have to manually copy them in, and I'm just like, this is so much effort. But I don't have to just use the terror, and then I'm done, and I don't have to care anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's easy. And something that I want to um, talk about when you said content v concept note is the content that I create. So one of the videos that I have up on my channel at the moment is around Z- uh, Zettelkasten, yeah. and it covers systems theory but also covers note-taking. So the piece of content, i.e. the video, goes to two different notes. It goes to systems theory and note-taking. But I've taken blocks that are appropriate for the narrative that I'm building out for the content. Rather than having a note on Zettelkasten, I have a note on note-taking and on systems theory, and I have a a block about Zettelkasten. I have a block around um, atomic notes. I have block around different types of systems theory and how it applies and self-organization. And I can just use those blocks and put them into a narrative for the video. And I'm doing the exact same. So the video that we spoke about, or or the the topic that we spoke about in the last uh, episode, education, I changed my education page. It was just called education because I didn't really know what it was going to be, to educational environments because I have formal and informal educational environments. And the video that I'm planning on doing is going to be just a section of that page, but Mm. also covers part of my psychology page, because I'm going to use the, uh, the relative deprivation theory, I'm going to use that, which is a block in my psychology page, but I'm also going to use blocks in other pages. So the, the note is a concept and the content is taking blocks from different concepts to create the content. And, and to me, that makes more sense because then you can create a narrative. That's what the atomic note tries to do. Oh yeah, you can use this in different contexts. Mm, yeah, but it's just a pain to bring together. So my content is still using the atomic note structure, but instead of it being a note, it's a block. So maybe we call it atomic block. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, it's so cool. Like, my, I'm just like, I, I love the difference. And it provides a lot more affordances. <laughs> oh, dear. I promise I'm not just throwing words in here because I can say them, but it does. It allows you to do so much more. It allows you to really just find stuff quickly and it makes creating content easier and creating a story far simpler. So this is something I actually want to say. I, I think with the notes that I have, I could create hundreds of pieces of content from the notes that I have, because what I did um, yesterday while I was doing rectifying my stupid mess up with Zotero uh, <laughs> Sorry. is because because my brain was I was just clicking merge I was literally because there's no automated way to do it in Zotero because if you have three things that are the same um you need to well it, it highlights two and then when you merge it then tries to highlight the next two but if there's three it will it will then take the third as a highlight and then only highlight one so you then have to click so it can't be automated yet um there's probably someone working on it, I don't know but you have to manually click merge to make sure it's merging the right thing anyway in my head, I was like, if I wanted to write an article on this thing, what would I do? And I would probably just click to a concept page, take over points that I think are relevant, and then I can use the block references inside those blocks to then expand the narrative. So I could create a piece of content just by clicking on any random page and coming up with a narrative. 
And this um, moves on to the idea of the, uh, it's a compass. It's a compass of some sort. I can't remember what the actual term is. Um, I, I saw this in the um, conference, the Linking Your Thinking conference. Um, and it's called the Idea Compass. What I've done to find that, I went into my Obsidian, I typed in note-taking into my search. I then went control F compass because I knew the compass was in the note and it's gone straight to idea compass, which is a block. So easy. It's just um, beautiful. Uh, genuinely. We're just being hyper It's like, oh, it's very good. Yeah, so the idea compass is from Vicky, sorry if I butcher this name, Vicky Zhao and Failing Sweng. T-S-E-N-G, uh, from the Linking Your Thinking conference. That is the reference note that I have. Um, and essentially, it gives you four different directions. It gives you north, east, south, and west. So I'm going to read these out because I don't remember exactly where they go. North is looking where the idea comes from. South, for where the idea leads. West, for what is similar. East, what, complete, uh, what competes with the idea. All right, so you've got four different directions. And using the idea compass... As a, as a conceptual idea is what I do anyway, synthesis, critique of what it does and what it competes with. Um, but using that with a note, just going into one of my notes and say, hey, idea compass, let's go. And moving blocks around, I can create hundreds of pieces of concepts, content from it. If you use the idea compass with an atomic note, I don't think you would have the same affordances. No. Because I think you would have to create the ideas yourself, then yeah. explore those ideas, then find the atomic notes that oh. are related to those ideas because you haven't written it yet. It's not mm. a distilled note that you're exploring. It's you're, you're converging ideas before you can diverge. Mm. Whereas because I've got a distilled note, I'm diverging straight away and I'm just going straight into the content. Yeah, and something that, that is just a pinging for me. Light bulb. If the, light bulb boing, boing, boing. um i don't know what that is but you know it's fine <laughs> like even i'm just now but because one of the things that i've been thinking about is systems theory and i'm just like oh let's go and see what danny has and then there's all of these points and it's not even finished i can see it's not finished but I'm, I'm just like that's a nasty note <laughs> <laughs> but it's also not <laughs> because it's got a start and there is a point of being able to bounce off of for your own research did we put this in here i don't remember it was actually yesterday or whether it was last it might have been actually last week's thing about using other people's ideas uh and no like, so that's intellectual property that's the next point that's the next. but what i find quite handy is that if let's say i want to talk about systems theory from a business perspective well i could spend all this time writing a note and learning everything or i go to danny and start with what danny has it's much quicker but that doesn't mean I just take his ideas and use them. It is around, here's what I have. And because you have a lot of, if you design your notes as more factual, that's not quite the right word, but it, it's more, it's a distillation of the actual evidence. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that feels good. Yeah, the distillation of the evidence then your own personal interpretations can come into that, but you have the distillation of the evidence there. Yeah. So that people who do not agree can go look at the evidence themselves and go, oh, that, that I have a different perception here. 
this is how I see it. And then there's more conversations about continuing conversations. And I'm just like, that is really quite cool. As a, like the, the power of that. And that right there is academics. Like citing your sources so people can look at the sources to get their own interpretation and fact check what you've said is the entire point of peer review and academic research. But unfortunately, for some stupid reason, money, um, (laughs) they're expensive and the quality assurance is not as good as it could be. And because of the way educational systems work, especially in tertiary education, people have to publish to keep their jobs. So the publication quality goes down. But we can still use all of the skills from academia inside of general internet conversation, which is where internet academic comes from, using the skills from academia inside internet learning, which is online learning, informal education. That's where my term comes from. And then then bouncing off of that, um, there is, (laughs) I'm going to use music as a a thing, because this is something that's happened a lot, is there there can be a layer of elitism in music of like, oh, you uh, against... um, people who use music and music production who who use you know digital instruments etc and often it's seen as a point of like oh you shouldn't use the digital instruments because you don't know how you should go and learn how to play it yourself but then you can actually follow that train back or, or oh why have you bought a i'll use a drum as an example why have you bought a drum you can make it yourself it's like you could always go back and back and back and one of the things that i'm taking from just having this conversation because it's kind of cool is that let's start from somewhere that you trust and build upon it instead of going no i have to find everything out myself because truth be told don't have bloody time i would love to do what danny does no one does no one i mean it's funny that you say that because obviously we all have different perspectives and when you say i don't know that much about system theory i'm gonna go look at danny I say, I don't know that much about systems theory. I'm going to go have a look at X, Y, Z people. I can't yeah. pronounce their names because most of them are not English. And there's like Zs and Ys and Gs in the middle of them. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, but we have different perspectives because we're both along the learning journey at different stages. And I think what's helpful is when someone like yourself comes into an environment, they don't go, oh my God, I don't understand any of this. I'm completely lost. And then have nowhere to go. Like, because because I've sourced everything and I've referenced everything. If you don't understand something and I've put a reference after it, you go, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read what he's written. Or if it's just a blank reference note because of my citations plugin and Sotero plugin, it's got a link to the article. So you could go to the article, read the abstract, get a context of what the paper mates say, yeah. then go back to my note and go, oh, okay, I kind of get where he's coming from now. Yeah. And it's helpful. And even for me, when I'm looking at academic articles, I mean, it's a pain in the bum with articles because you have to like actually search for the paper and then find the paper because there's no like linked thinking at all in there. Um, But that's the process that I do as an academic. And if you don't, if you don't cite or reference sources, learning is hindered because you're like, how, how can I check that? How do I fact the amount of times on YouTube videos where people have said evidence-based science says this, there was a study that said, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, where, who give me reference. I want to read. And okay. Rant here. When people say, I don't want <laughs> you to. Overcom- ranting? 
<laughs> I don't want to overcomplicate it. No, give me the fucking complication. <laughs> give me the complex stuff. Like, don't treat me like a child. I'm an adult. Yeah, that is, that is, that is a pet peeve that I have. And, and actually, I've been told to make it simpler because people don't understand. No, you're bloody grown ass adults in this space. And you can, if you, if I give you the information, you can go and figure it out and you can go and that. And if you don't want to, you'll get what you need from what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. because just from the act of me explaining it in a 90 second fucking TikTok, um, I have to have that. That is the constraint that I'm working with it. Yep. That is what I'm working within. So it has to be summarized and it has to be simplified. But being able to have that, that's something that's quite exciting. I'm just, my brain is going crazy on these ideas of like collaborative PKM mm-hmm. versus just doing it on your own and everyone having their own silo and putting it in one place. Like there are points in, even I'm looking at your systems theory page, there are points in there that like, oh, that fascinates me. And then what could happen if multiple people work together to put together these pages and the potential of that? That is essentially Wikipedia. Yes. That that is essentially Wikipedia. And I think there is value in it. But I think the constraint, having worked in Wikipedia, I, I say worked, I obviously volunteer because you don't pay. Yeah. But having worked inside of Wikipedia, because everyone's editing the same pages, there is mm. constant discussion behind the scenes about what could be added, what can't be added. There's arguments yeah. about semantics and all the rest of it. So the way I see it moving forwards is everyone having their own siloed notes, but the reference of where mm. they got the idea from goes to whoever's note it was. Like that's mm. how I'm already using videos. Like I, you, you will see differences in the way that my notes are formatted because I'm using site keys inside of Zotero. So some of my source notes are just names of things, whereas some of them have an at symbol at the beginning. Those that have an at symbol at the beginning are cited through Zotero and that workflow. Um, And those, you can't tell if it's an academic paper, if it's a podcast, if it's a video, unless you actually go into the source and have a look. Because some of the videos I watch, I source in my academic style pages because they're useful videos or their ideas but then there's a paper next to that video reference so you could have like a five minute youtube video next to a 20 page academic article both citing <laughs> the same sentence but that citation can also be someone's personal notes so for example a blog is basically what i'm writing with my obsidian publish but a blog is finished articles and they're static my notes my blog is not static because people that have read my or any of my pages if they read it and they go back like in a week's time i could have changed sentences i could have changed um perspectives i could have added sources you might need to read re reread the entire note in like a week's time because i've added loads of stuff to it whereas a blog post once you've read it you've read it that that's yeah. not my notes Ah, oh, it's just super cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so with, with regards to your collaborative of work, if we have more people sharing their work online and sharing their perspectives and interpretations, we can then have a bigger conversation inside of our notes about it. So something I see every once in a while in a blog post is, I read this person's blog 
And this, these are my thoughts. Cool. But the problem with that for me is, okay, I now have to go read your blog post or that blog post and then read your blog post and then make the connections myself. Mm. Whereas what I'm doing is saying this person said this and I disagree because of this. And you just have a site to wherever it was. So I know exactly who said what and I know why I disagree. So if you're reading a note, you can see, okay, Tiago said this, Ali said this, Anne-Marie said this, uh, Anne-Marie said this, but I actually disagree because of these reasons. And these are the people that I've cited. All of that is in one block rather than me having to bounce around all over the place. And that's just distillation of sources. And that's what I think is missing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, it is just a yeah. I mean, you're basically saying what I just said, but much cleaner and clearer and simpler. But yeah, that is quite exciting to think that that is... Yeah, I like it. And I like the idea of having siloed and then bringing it all together in a way and having conversations and... Yeah, it's kind of cool. I like it. It's not new. It's what academia does. Like... When, yeah, when, I know, but they put it behind a paywall. It's and also very... like a lot of people don't know that they do it. Like yeah. when you when you see a published article, there is a team behind the research. There's a research team, and research teams argue backwards and forwards. And if you're in the in the the context, you could see like articles backwards and forwards, and they debate backwards and forwards in articles. Like these people said this, these people said this, this theory said this, this theory said this, and they argue going up. I mean, following the trail is a pain in the bum for the literature review because you're like, okay, great. But it's basically two research groups arguing backwards and forwards. And we can do that as well online, on the internet. But instead of saying, hey, here's this blog article, actually state what they've said in the article and evidence. Why are they wrong? Why are you right? And have a discussion in your blog and then they can link back to you uh, and go from there. And this is exciting when uh, Maggie Appleton was talking about block-based programmable notes. But essentially, if the currency, I guess we could say, of online medium was a block rather than a page, you could link back to someone else's block of a blog. Mm. That could be cool. Um, but that's like well into the future, I think, because that, that requires a lot of technical stuff. Is there anything you want to add? Because I feel like I've just spoken for a long time. No. I think I'm I'm just quite excited, like genuinely, from a point of like producing content, finding my big, I suppose, not resistance, but the constraints that I have that are really getting in the way of what I want has been time, which obviously time constrains everything. And like, for me, I cannot prioritize research. I want to, that's what I want, but I can't. Like the constraints of my life mean I cannot. That is that. That is just the reality of the situation. And so being able to consider and taking a misconception of like, using other people's notes as a negative thing, having conversations around, but it's not. It's a part of the conversation and citing the note, obviously, duh. Um, 
Um, and just like having those conversations and really pulling out that and the and the opportunities that could occur just from more people doing that. It's gonna be yep. it's it's just fun. Oh yes. And moving moving on to our next point, uh to give a bit of context, I watched a video about someone that had done lots of research, around 15 years of research about their their area of research i'm not going to say it because it might actually no we are going to call them out on it (laughs) Um, basically this person did a video talking about their research on chinese keyboards and how they have got the chinese language onto a keyboard that works on most computers and this person has done tons and tons of research it's basically their life's work and people pay him to present and to explain what's going on and then johnny harris did a video on a similar topic and he's presented it very well with other information in there as well, but he hasn't cited his sources. And Johnny Harris has used clips from online presentations in his video around the topic. Um, and the original researcher has argued, well, I could sue him for intellectual property. It could. I, it, he wasn't going to. It was more like a jokey video. But, but that notion of, well, I've done all of this research and I have shared all of this stuff and the video you have found may be behind a paywall, maybe behind X, Y, Z, and you have shared it. Now, as a researcher, he didn't care that it was shared. He didn't care that the information was out there. That was a good thing. And that's what most researchers are like. But he did care that he wasn't referenced. Like yeah. people couldn't find his work. They just used Johnny's work and was like, yeah. oh, yeah, Johnny knows all this stuff. Well, no, Johnny learned it from this person. No, he might not get tons and tons of traffic because it's just a link in the description, but it's respecting the intellectual property of the person that you've learned something from. When I, when I share things in my videos that I have learned from other people, I will, I will uh, either I will say it in the video or I link to my public notes, which has all the references because, sorry, I can't put all of my references in the description. It ain't long enough. <laughs> <laughs> the description just ain't long enough. Um, This intellectual property, this idea of sharing other people's information, great, contribute to the conversation, like we've said. But if you're not, if you're not sourcing people's information, are you stealing? And that's the question that I have that I'm, I'm not sure on. Yeah, I don't know. This has been one of those things that I've always like battled with, because in business, there is that, that happens a lot, Mm. an awful lot. And everyone's recycling the same information right now, which is something that I'm trying to push beyond and bringing in, especially some of these concepts that are not spoken about in business. It's not. Um, I like being able to source that information because it's really key and amazing stuff that's going to make a big difference, but being able to, to actually bring it to the conversation in a way that is not just intellectual property theft because there is a huge risk in that. And I think although sourcing is not the solution, it is a part of it. I'm not, I don't have an answer. <laughs> Still navigating that one myself. And I don't think there ever will be an answer. Academics have been arguing about this for centuries <laughs> and, yeah. and they will do. Like I came up with this idea first. I came up with that theory first. And obviously in academia, that could be winning a Nobel prize or not. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's no oh yeah i got some v- views on a video um but actually the guy made a really good point in his video johnny 
obviously got millions of views. I think he got like 3 million views on the video and obviously it's growing, but he's used information from this person. And does this person have a claim to some of those? When you think of music industry, you can't use someone's music um, because they can claim it. They can claim it back. Intellectual property, you can't do that at the moment. And I don't think you will ever be able to do that because it's very hard to prove that it came from you. But is there an element of royalty or responsibility that you that you have towards the sources you use? Maybe a, if you're using just one source, maybe they deserve a percentage. I don't know, or just recognition. Or I again, there, there's no answers to this. There's no solutions to this because it's an ongoing debate. But I think it's more of a, an ethical dilemma or moral dilemma as to what what do you give them? <laughs> like what what's a thank you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If, if you're paying for a course, I think that's different because you paid for the course for them to teach you the thing and then you can share the, net, share the knowledge on. I think that's slightly different. Um, but yeah, it's... it's it, so, so I have a question then to you. Someone's bought the course and you're sharing that information on. Can you charge for that information? I don't think so because you because ha- then the intellectual property turns into your own interpretation of the information. So because you now have your own interpretation and perspectives on the information, I don't think you can charge, well, you could charge for it yourself because it's now your information because you've learned it from somewhere. Because that's the same as every piece of knowledge. Every piece of knowledge is learned from someone and then you interpret it and then do it your own way. But I think there should still be a source in there. So for example, my, my workflow section in my course is framed using code which is from building a second brain. So I make sure I have referenced Tiago Forte and saying this is built from building a second brain. And then I have a link to his website. Mm. Now I'm not using code and using capture organized still express, but I'm not using it in his terminologies and his meanings because yeah. I differ with my interpretation, which is why I have my workflow that's different from his, but I'm still referencing to say, Hey, this is inspired from this. And same as Tiago says, my work is inspired from David Allen's GTD. Yeah. So it's it's his own interpretation of other theories. Now, you can't put all of your sources in, of course, because then it's just going to be a ton of sources. But the main big, big bulky ones, you can say. And the video that I'm going to do about education, I'm going to source the PDF document of, I can't remember, it's called something, something glimpse of 2021. Um, I'm, going to main, I'm going to source that because that's the main one that I'm getting the data from. But the rest of the page that has like 70 resources in at the moment, I think that that's just going to be one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just another page. That's going to be one link to my public notes because if people want to know more about it, great. And then you have context and then you have the explorable examples, which is a concept from Andy Mutchestack. Um, right there, <laughs> did it unintentionally right there. I've sourced where the idea comes from. And that's what I do in my head. It's also a, a way to, it's a way to make yourself sound smart (laughs) yeah most people don't care about the sources but if you say the source it it makes it sound like you know what you're talking about and most of the time you do like when i say john sweller cognitive load theory people like oh you know who came up with the theory you must know something about the theory yes i do rather than saying cognitive load theory and then just going on and talking there's a different preconceived notion around my understanding just by saying this person yeah it's uh, yeah i i I, yeah i have no more to add 
yes just yes I, I think it's a real important conversation that doesn't get had because everyone is so fearful of being judged of like oh look at this person they want to steal they want to take from other people it's not about that it's around being I don't even know the right word for it being no don't have the word for it let's go I don't even know where you're going. <laughs> no, I don't know where I'm going either. Being curious? Yeah, being curious and being, I just, I suppose, sharing your stuff, like sharing where you got things from and not, I think in the business world, is there's a risk of um, showing yourself as, you have to be perceived as an expert. And being a beginner. I think people are yeah. scared of being a beginner. They, yeah. they like being a beginner in a closed environment where no one can see their fails. Yeah. That, and that comes down to self-confidence, self-efficacy, a lot of the intra, intrapersonal skills, E-I-N-T-R-A, intra, not inter. Because um, interpersonal is between people, intra is in myself. Again, yeah. going back to that coaching definition we spoke about, I think it was three episodes ago. Um, professional, so. interpersonal and intrapersonal knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's again, it's one of those, it's, it's one word in this like two sentence definition that could be so much. And it is so much. That's the thing. It is just so big. And I think having that, yeah, it's just exciting. So ED discussion, I'm going to leave this one up to you because uh, you want to explore it, but I don't know what parts you want to explore. Oh, God. Thanks. Cheers for leaving that one to me to decide where we even start. <laughs> so talk about I, I'm intrigued to the, the relation between systems theory and ED. Is that what you you're going to get me to start? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> like, like, I'm intrigued by that because I didn't. I suppose I, I knew it, but I didn't know it, if that makes sense. So I had an idea. But it wasn't until you were like, yeah, that's that's this. And I'm like, oh, yes, it is. And I suppose if we start that conversation, we're going to have to describe both. <laughs> Which is so, probably the, the meanest thing to do <laughs> to you. Right. So uh, actually, yeah, yeah, we'll carry on. Um, so systems theory, for those unfamiliar, is essentially the idea that an environment is a system. Uh, and a system can be extremely small. So the system that John and I are in right now is the, is different from the system that I am in and he is in. We are yeah. in our own systems within a system, which is actually within the larger system of everything that's going on and it expands. That yeah. systems theory, very, very basic version. Dynamical systems, <laughs> dynamical systems is where systems interact and change over time. So the environment in it, like my environment is changing as time moves forwards and John's environment is changing as time moves forwards. And we may, so when the call ends, the system is going to change and that's where dynamical systems get involved because we still are in our own systems, which again are dynamical systems, but now we're not in this one system of a Zoom call. That, that's gone. That's disappeared. So a system has disappeared, but it can be recreated again via a Zoom call. Yeah. Or we could meet up and then you have another 
different system that could represent a previous system. Yes. And that's complexity theory. So, oh, yes, yeah. that one's fun. That yeah. one is fun. So that is where systems can emerge, which is emerging information, or dissipate, dis dissipate or disappear. And yeah. you can have related systems, like in different time times. Um, so the Zoom call now can disappear and then reappear, complexity theory. Um, and because they are dynamic systems, they are, they are always changing with the environment. And the system theory bit is the systems that we're in. Yeah. Now that we've got those three overarching bits covered, where ecological comes in is ecolog ecological dynamics. The dynamics bit is the dynamical systems theory I've just explained. Ecological is basically it being representative of the environment you are in. Yeah. Something that is not ecologically valid is, for example, laboratory tests when put into the context of the real world. Because if you put someone in a lab and say, okay, do X, Y, and Z, and it's not the same system as in the real world, then it's not a representative test of the real world. So it's not as ecologically valid as if you were to do it in the real world. You, you still with yeah. me? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. and, and I think that's, that, that's the bit I get excited about is the ecological bit. Because in business, that is just not talked about. Like, it is so... Everything's within a business, is within a bubble of like, this is how you, this is, what is shifting is people are saying, this is how I did this, which is fine and better, but it's, but when they say I, it means the person, but it doesn't introduce like the, from my understanding, the ecological effects around it, the, the affordances and the things that happen around what they do whether they have kids whether they don't whether they have a family like the complex systems that occur and each of the and the dynamics between them and the interplay do create that and often what is deemed typical in business is something that is basically you get a funnel you push people through and then they buy stuff so i'm talking about marketing in a specific to give a little bit of specificity um and like there's no considerations of what happens there. Did I, is that right or not quite? Ish. Ish. Good. So, I like ishes. Ishes yeah. are good. Ecological validity. If someone is speaking about their experience in the real world, then it's ecologically valid. But it might not be as valid for someone in a different dynamic, i.e. the systems that they are in. So the changing dynamics of the systems each individual is in changes the ecological validity of the example. So if someone oh, says, okay. I do this, if someone's dynamical systems represent the person that is talking, the, the representing the person that's talking, then the ecological validity is going to be higher because they are in the same sorts of environments. And so that's actually what, what I'm talking about there was actually the dynamics. Is that the changing right? dynamics? I was about yeah. The changing dynamics between one person and another, and those changing dynamics affect the ecological validity. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. So the the more the more similar the dynamical systems, typically the higher the ecological validity. 
you're thinking lab testing real world yeah, yeah. and so that's actually where we talk about context it's yes, almost like yes. the context that is what that is what the dynamics are the dynamics are the context is that right or the ecological of. validity is the context is the context oh, yeah okay cool good yeah awesome. um then with ecological dynamics being applied from an educational perspective mm-hmm. obviously ecological validity is going to go up and down but applying that to an environment which is where you're talking about constraints and affordances if someone is has so if the educational environment has high ecological uh, validity so it's representative of the environment that they're going to be tested in explored in they're going to do um, then you want to build out so to simplify the learning you want to build out a learning environment that has constraints that doesn't simplify the concept so much that it's not ecologically valid and allows for affordances to emerge so they can be applied in the ecologically valid environment so to make something simple, you may reduce the amount of people involved. You may reduce, yeah. so from a sporting context, the size of something or the complexity, reducing by using constraints, reducing the complexity of the task. But the emergence of the affordances, i.e. what they can do in the environment, is still ecologically valid. Mm-hmm. Using a sporting example, because that's where I come from in skill acquisition, football. If you make passing just passing from one person to another in a straight line, that's not ecologically valid when you look at it from a broad, uh, relatable to to the pitch, because you've got people, you've got other people around. Um, So to increase ecological validity, you add a person getting in the way, piggy in the middle, something like that. (laughs) Is that that really good? No, but it's better than it was. Yeah. And so I think I want to just pull in a business example just to see that I'm, I'm with it because this is what's actually useful yeah, um, yeah. in terms of like. So let's say you have a workshop that is a form of that of what you were talking about, like you're simplifying the stuff. We'll call it stuff because my brain got lost a little bit, like simplifying what is being shared and to. It's, it's about balancing that. It's like being super specific. So for example, I've just run a workshop around creating a specific type of system, which was a resource manager. And to help with getting clear on what the constraints are, it was deciding what this, what are resources to the person. And like, that is that is that the constraint or is that also, I suppose it's the constraint and the affordances because they seem, from my understanding, they seem to work together quite, they are basically back and forth between each other, the yin and yang of it, so to speak. Coupled. Is that right? Coupled. Thank you. Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> I me- My brain went, oh, yes. I remember listening to that. I remember coupled. They are coupled. Yeah. So perception and action in ecological dynamics is coupled. They are, mm-hmm. they are backwards and forwards. It's not a you do this or you do that or you do this, then you do that. It's the same thing. They happen at the same time. When you add a constraint you remove an affordance. When you take away a constraint, you add affordances. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so they coupled. are very much, they are, they, they are coupled, they are together, which I think is something that, so what I'm doing right now is developing my own necessarily framework, but I'm trying to explain that in a simple term of the fact that every single step, every single part of the framework is not on its own. It is very much 
A system. A system. They're coupled. They mm-hmm. are together. They work with each other. And you come in wherever you come in. And from where you come in, it doesn't matter which way you go. And you'll go both ways. And sometimes you'll go this way. And then sometimes you'll go that way. And sometimes that by going this way, you actually go that way, which is beautiful and lovely and complex as hell. That's complexity theory in a nutshell, if I'm right. Or is that really, really grossly simplified? Going in the two different directions is the affordances. That's following the affordances of the learning environment. Mm. And so you, so in, in a business case, it's like the affordances here is like almost is it the learning objectives. Like, no, that's a constraint. The learning objective would be a goal-orientated outcome, okay. which could be achieved via different affordances people see in the environment. So you yeah. can get to the goal through these five different ways, yeah. which may have five affordances, may have 10 affordances. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the learning outcome is, is a destination. Mm-hmm. The affordances and constraints, so the constraints added into the environment mm-hmm. will either constrain or allow for certain affordances to get to the goal. If you don't add constraints, getting to the goal can be done in thousands of ways and it may take absolutely ages because there is Which no Which is what happens in productivity right now. No one is very specific. They, 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 they just give hacks, tips and tricks, but they don't tell you how to get to where you want to go. It's just too open. There is not enough specificity or the specificity they've given constraints thank you that there's not enough constraints on how to get there or the constraints do are not so i'm just thinking of like systems like code and ppv and all of those they may not work within the ecological that word of the person who is involved of like the actual or, or no it's not that is it the context that's involved you were right. You just phrased it slightly weird. Wonkily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were right to use ecological validity. So yeah. the constraints that they have added in may not be ecologically valid for yeah. a person in a different dynamical system, a different yeah. environment. And, the, and so it sounds like what I'm actually teaching in my work is how to see the dynamics that at play. One of the parts of what I do, I suppose one of the constraints that I add is to look at the dynamic systems and the pieces in between. One of the stages of what I do is that focus. Or is that actually the, the goal? It's the goal, isn't it? If I'm just thinking of what you're saying. Yeah. It's actually the direction. The learning objective is to look at this and then I add in constraints to make it easier. So, for example, in the learning workshop that I just ran, that was the constraint. We're building this thing. That is what we're doing. That is the constraint we're, we're holding in. But I'm asking you these questions as it relates to that, con- as it relates to this. But what I'm actually taking you is to get that dynamic, like understand the dynamics of the systems that you're in and using you at the center of the system instead of just build it to fix you because you're broken kind of thing. It's just shifting that. Yeah. Am I tracking? Yep. This so- is so much fun. I love, I love this so much. So what, what are they learning? Like what thing in ecological dynamics, what word encompasses what they are learning? What there's word? Two, there's two possible answers. One of, one of them is the long one, which I don't expect you to remember. Um, <laughs> so, you're a- so just so I understand the question, you're asking me what concepts I'm teaching them 
Is that so what you're asking? What are they gaining from the learning environment? What are they gaining from the learning environment? Is it a, is it a perception? Sort of, sort of. So you, you've just said you've created a learning environment yeah. with a goal, goal orientation and yeah. you've added constraints. Mm-hmm. What is emerging from that learning environment? All the affordances. Exactly. Ah, cool. This is fun. I love this. So this, this is probably going to be an episode in itself. I think we are going to have to split this out because <laughs> we are just going hybrid. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm well aware that we are like here <laughs> in the whole topic. It's just like, <laughs> we covered a fair amount to be to be honest. Um, yeah. So those affordances that people are emer- like the emerging affordances that are coming out will be different from people's perceptions and yes preconceived ah, knowledge yeah perceived. because the affordances are built and emerge from prior knowledge which means some people will take uh, that route over there because that's what they see that's their yeah. affordance some people will go that way and some people go straight to it which is why some people get there really really quickly because of prior knowledge and some people take forever to get there yeah. and if they do take forever you can add constraints in for those people yeah. and redirect which is what if they you want to that's five education. days they had five days it was quite literally in the five days this is the space that we have we will be going this way this is what we're this is what we're building this is why we're building it. like those were the constraints added to help people come back in and not go all over the place mm-hmm. the difference just for clarity for people listening the difference for information processing is information processing you you would set up the environment differently so instead of it being okay here is where we're going to go to try and figure it out (laughs) which causes a lot of friction a lot of frustration a lot of the time and a lot of confusion uncertainty information processing would suggest you go okay step one is this step two is this step three is this step four is this now you have this done sorted you're finished because this is the best way to do it that's information processing and it works in some contexts but not in many (laughs) Yeah, and so so what happened with this is I had prompts versus there was a prompt and then there was an action to take. There was something to do, which is kind of living that experience. It wasn't a, I don't think it was information processing based, but there was a little bit, is that a little bit of that perhaps in there? There are two approaches of thought. So you you could look at an ecological dynamic approach to learning. Mm-hmm. and associate it to information process and you can say well you're just doing this you're just doing that and you're just abiding by these principles and these theories yeah and it would work but when you go really deep and look at indirect and direct perception <coughs> it doesn't quite follow and work because then information process and go oh active inference bayes bayesian my brain model and you're just like yeah but that's a big black box of no one knows what's going on mm. um and that's where the arguments in academics happens, which no one really needs to worry themselves about. <laughs> Apart from myself. <laughs> because, of course. <laughs> Free energy principle. Yep. Yeah, don't, don't even bother researching that one. Markov, no, Markov blankets. <laughs> Stop doing that. Don't tell me to not even bother researching something. You won't understand and then the first tell sentence. Tell me exactly what to do. <laughs> you, you won't even understand the first sentence. It took me like a week to understand it. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. I love it. 
I love right. it. Now that we've just like confused everyone, let's um close. If you do have any questions, either have a look at my note, which is really not finished, but you can explore different things there. That's bloody um, annoying. Hurry up. I might I might put some like recommended things at the top of my links at the top of the like the Please. links bit. Um, but yeah, because that's not a note I'm focused on. So yeah. It's in my head. I don't need to write the note at the moment. <laughs> I'm probably um, going to write a note directly from this part of our conversation. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, cool. Yeah, no. Well, actually, probably what I would do is I'm now going to verbally process this one because it's fun. I would probably create a page on ecological dynamics and have this as one of the points. That's how I would do it. I the way I would do it is I would re-listen to the podcast and use that as a source note and then in my ecological dynamics page put the points in the page that's what I mean yeah, yeah. source working it makes, it makes things so much easier when you can just got two folders it is so nice yeah okay thank you very much everybody hope you enjoyed that bye, bye.